It's the Gridiron Lounge. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this week's episode of the Gridiron Lounge podcast, hosted by myself, Coach Andrew Lamers, and this week, a special guest. We would like to welcome to the show for the first time, first ever Gridiron Lounge appearance for a good friend of mine, fellow member of football Twitter, athlete, and one of the only logical people left on Twitter, Justin Gamel of Football Sapien. Justin, how the hell are you? Talking me up there, one of the one of the last logical people, athlete too, athlete too. From from what I heard, I have not seen you play. I could be lying about that. I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. We've been talking about this for a long time, so yes, we have. I'm glad I didn't stub my toe or have someone come into town like last weekend. Yeah, that's right. We had you scheduled to come on once or twice before, and you had a bunch of uh, great excuses. So I held you accountable this week. Yeah, I had to be here. Well. uh yeah, glad to finally have you on. Uh, you know, you're one of the guys just like us. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your football background, what you do, if there's any like coaching, writing, podcasting, you know, just give us a quick little intro to you and your work. Right on. Uh, let's see. I think I started this like, it was like 2015 or 2016. I worked for Draft Bible for a long time. Hmm. Um, did a lot of work with them and podcasting and writing and events and all kind of stuff like that. I did that for a, quite a while. Um, but yeah, I played, I played college ball out here. I played semi-pro ball after, um, that's just kind of, you know, gets you interested in the game and gets interested in what comes after and what goes into the X's and O's and all that other cool stuff. So, um, now I'm with football sapient and, um, yeah, this is, I think COVID kind of killed motivation for a little bit, but I think this year it looks like everything's kind of back up and running and the, the juices are flowing again. So, and this is a good class to be kind of you know, feeling that angst to get back yep. into it. So happy to be yep. talking about it. Right on. Uh, coincidentally, COVID is when I started writing about football. And also coincidentally, this is the first class that I'm not really diving into. Just fell behind uh, new changes, moving to Phoenix and stuff. And Coach Scherfie and I really aren't taking a deep dive into this draft class. So we might after the draft and kind of pick and choose who we're going to watch. But you'll have to do the work for us then. <laughs> I'll send some lists. Good, good. Uh, then also, I know you, you know, this is a football show, but I hear you have a little bit of a hockey background, which, you know, you probably can't see it here, but that's why I'm wearing my Penguins cap. I can't see it. You didn't show me that. You didn't turn yeah. that around, bro. Yeah, yeah, this is 2017. Oh, I like that. I like that. No, yeah, I've played hockey my whole life. Still do. Um, till I'm dead is the, is the goal. I mean, it's a fun sport, and I played at a high level for a long time, and um, so that's my other expertise, as they say. Okay. Yeah, you would have loved the uh, one of the episodes we had. Again, this is a football show, but one time. You had Joe Sackick we... on here? What's that? You had Joe Sackick on here? Who's that? <laughs> the Hall of Famer that played for the Avalanche. That's the current general manager. I get That joke went right over your head. Yeah, I'm a Penguins. I'm a Penguins fan. No. But you'll like this. We talked about um, – it actually tied in – with our whiskey, but we talked about who we thought the greatest athlete of all time was. I think it was after last year's Super Bowl, Tom Brady, Buccaneers, and uh, I said Wayne Gretzky. You know, if you want to listen to the whole debate, but I said Wayne Gretzky mainly because you look at basketball, you know, 
Some people would say the greatest is Michael Jordan, but there's a debate there. You know, LeBron James. You look at football. Tom Brady, he probably is, but there's at least a debate there now. Uh, and then, you know, with baseball, too. Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds. There's a debate there. When you go to hockey, it's Gretzky, period. There's no debate. So that was my answer for that reason. Um, obviously, you, that's for team sports. You kind of have to go through the definition of what you classify as the greatest, but that's what I did. And then on the show, we had Wayne Gretzky's whiskey, which I have yet to be able to find since the show, but it was outstanding. So if you find Wayne Gretzky's whiskey, snatch it up. So good. I'm going to go to Total Beverage after this and see what I can find. Total Beverage? Is that like Total Wine? Probably. Oh. Big liquor store? Same. They're all the same. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the last note about you, you are from Colorado, is that correct? I'm out here in Denver. That's right. So that is why. That explains. Uh, listeners will see it when they get the video out. But you can see the background here is a picture I took at the Colorado River. So there you go. You can feel right at home. Wow, dude. You did a yeah. lot for me today. Yeah, Penguins hat, Colorado River background. But, uh, yeah, well, good background. You know, like I said, you're one of us, so good to have you on. But let's jump right into the drinks, shall we? Yeah. All right. So last week it was just Coach Scherfey and I. We didn't have anything. He's uh, He coaches all, all year round, basically. He recently got the varsity head coach gig uh for his alma mater he's coaching basketball so he usually keeps it pretty light during the week and then last week uh, it was actually my first week at my new career so i said i want to keep the mind sharp doing the same tonight uh it's actually my birthday this weekend so i'm kind of saving myself for that as well you know staying sharp during the week crisp mind for work and then uh i'll definitely have some good whiskeys this weekend but i know it doesn't sound like you have anything either this evening but you recommended a whiskey that we had on the show once before. Why don't you tell us about that one? Yeah, I would have had some tonight, but I, hockey beat me up yesterday, and I'm too sore and tired. Old man. See today, yeah. Old man. Hard, man. Um, we have a distillery out here in Denver called Stranahan's. I think it's only out here, or like that's where the main distillery is. But I mean, you can go there. It, they have tours, all kinds of cool stuff. They give you free samples, get y'all liquored up. But um it's not even that. I think because it's out here, it's not that expensive. It's only like 40 something dollars a bottle. But yeah. if you can get your hands on some of that, it's pretty delicious. And I know you hit me up last time you had it and you were like, that was some smooth stuff. It is too. Yeah. It's good. It, uh, you know, we're not real experienced whiskey drinkers here. We kind of give you the roughed up analysis of whiskey, but I liked it. It almost kind of reminded me of the Gretzky whiskey because I had like that sweetness. Uh, in it it wasn't just that harsh you know like right single flavor it was real flavorful and had that little bit of sweetness in it and it was awesome i think it was yeah it was only like maybe 50 60 bucks here and there was a one or two different kinds i think but i was impressed uh i i did enjoy that for sure that's one of my go-tos when i do drink yeah that's, that's good i was expecting it to be like tin cup because i think tin cups from Colorado as well, and the the bottles even kind of look the same with the little tin on the top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tin but, cup's a little harsher, I guess. Right. Like, yep. Like little make you make a face when you drink tin cup. It's like, oh, okay, you get used yeah. to it, but yeah. a face of a face of relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Strandhands. I think just overall more flavorful, but tin cup just tastes more like a straight whiskey. If that makes sense. It does. 
you try anything uh you try anything else lately that that you liked or are you pretty much sticking with the stranahan you know i hate to admit it but i went to a hockey where there's a there's a, a bar in one of the rinks we play at and uh they gave us free shots of um screwball right when it came out like a year or something ago peanut butter whiskey yeah the peanut butter whiskey and it's like it's pretty girly it's pretty sweet but um they gave us what was it a few weeks ago we went back there and uh, they were like you want the screwball again i was like not really and they were like well we poured you some shots so we took a few of those and i was like you know it's not bad for for a flavored whiskey which i usually stay away from because i'm so like freaking tough and rugged and stuff you know (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) uh no i had some of that i mean it's it's good stuff for for something flavorful it's it's you don't feel too feminine doing it you know whatever (laughs) i don't know if i can say that anymore i don't know if i can say that but i did so well we won't we won't edit it out and we'll let the uh critics be the judge uh, <laughs> uh yeah i've i've had screwball so actually the the plan on the show um traditionally is i try different whiskeys straight up because i guess i'm old and rugged like you coach Sherfy tries different whiskey cocktails so one thing he does a lot is he does the screwball in like an old-fashioned or something and he'll do cherry bitters and make it taste like a pb and j I've yet to try it because, like, you know, I don't like the sweet stuff that much. But uh, I guess he really—he's done it several times. And he really likes it, so I'm not uh, against it, dude. I'm not against that at all. Now, would you rather do if you? Well, two questions. First of all, was the shot before or after you played hockey? That was after. Okay, I was gonna guess before. That's why you keep getting banged up. But that day, yeah, <laughs> that day was okay. after. But you know, okay. I'm not opposed to before either. Now, would you? Yeah, I hear you. I played semi-pro football, man. I I know. Um, would you rather do a shot of screwball or a shot of something like JMO? I'll take JMO every day, man. Yeah, I could drink JMO just straight up. All like I could just pound the whole bottle. JMO's good. JMO's actually pretty good. It's just a shot of a shot of cheap, nasty Irish whiskey, though. I guess I probably would too. I just prefer sipping whiskey. I'll put a whole bottle down, but not not doing shots. Right. Do you, do you like proper 12, Connor? No, 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 no. I think that's a knockoff, watered-down version of Jameson myself. Interesting. I don't think it's as good, but I still don't mind it. Some people say, like, don't even, I won't even look at it. I'm like, just give it. I'll, I'll take it. Then. That's fine. I don't care. I think if it was cheaper, it'd be good for the price, but it's not because it's something that people want because it's Conor McGregor's. If that was, like, a real Irish whiskey, I'd be like, all right, this is fine. But it's it's not. It should be, but it's not. You're snobby, bro. Yeah, I've, I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> Let's get on to uh, cigars then. I get, you're not a real big cigar guy from what I understand, but you'll smoke one if, if it's a celebration or if someone gifts one to you. You know, Is there anything that you've tried with cigars in your life that really stood out or anything you had recently or no? There's a lot of, a lot of answers there, but for what you're looking for, no, no. I... For cigars, for cigars. If someone gives me a cigar, I'm just like, cool, I'll smoke it. That's it. And then that's All it. Right. I'm not a big cigar guy. I'm not I'm not cool enough for that stuff. Uh, you'll, someday you'll grow up. Yeah, I know. Um, Coach Sherfy obvi- obviously uh, not here. We don't know if he tried anything this week. I tried a couple things. Uh, the one, I think, you know, for someone like you, that if you're going to get a cigar and you don't smoke them very much, this one would have been good. This was uh, Foundry Cigars. 
uh, made it, and it's called Chillin' Moose. I had a smaller one. I don't know exactly what cut it was or what, what kind or whatever, but it was one of those ones that was a little bit lighter. It was, it was darker in color, but lighter in effect. Uh, had that good had that good at first that like total cigar flavor that's like ah man my mouth is just gonna taste like shit all day but then it kind of softened up and got a little bit sweeter um it didn't last long maybe 30 minutes max but it didn't give you that real big effect that some cigars do producer larry knows what i'm talking about (laughs) 2019 wedding but uh, you're not gonna throw up after this cigar basically smooth I would say, you know, if you're a begin, if not your first cigar ever, maybe, but if you're someone like yourself, you want to have a nice cigar with good, good flavor. I was pleasantly impressed by a cigar that was named Chillin' Moose. So, so if you come across that one, that's what I tried this week, and I was impressed. The last cigar I had was like a Swisher Sweet from the gas station in college. So, well, at least you were in college. I think the last time I had one was in high school, but. It's about the same era. Oh, shut up, you douchebag. You were out of high school. You were smoking them together. Wow, dude. You're not going to get anything past this guy. He jumped right in. You will not get anything past producer Larry. That is for sure. That That's why he's a producer. Holds us accountable and tells us how to do simple things. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, that's drinks and cigars. You know, we got a couple topics to get to, and then we'll get into our infamous oofs, but... Let's start with something we'd like to do uh, the last few episodes. Uh, just the first topic, I call it the Coach Lamer's Rapid Topic. It's just something that I come across during the week. I don't tell, well, in this case, you or Coach Sherfy or whoever, I don't tell you what it is until you're on the show, and then we get a little brief banter on it and, and see where it takes us. So last week we did, you can just give top of your head answer to this. We don't have to discuss it, but we did... Um, Better player, Richard Seymour or Calais Campbell? I saw that. Being only 31, like I feel like I remember Richard Seymour. Remember, Coach Coach Scherfe and I are in our late 20s. He remembered Seymour better than I did, but... I feel like I remember him enough, but I'm like, did I look at him through the best eye? In my opinion, it was probably... um, Campbell, just the fact that he was so scheme versatile, so big, so dominant against the run and the pass. Like, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what you could have done to make that guy fail. Like, any scheme, yeah. you know, anything you ask him to do, it's like, he'll do it, and he's going to be good at it. That's a good angle. That's a good angle. I like that. Pure three-tech, where it's just like, get upfield and just destroy the game. Yeah. Your Mike Daniels, your Cam Haywards, those types. Yeah, I, I'd probably go, based on my recollection, Campbell. He, okay. he, has he retired yet? He's still out there, right? I don't think I don't think he's officially retired. No, that's a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Has to be. But what Seymour wasn't, and if this is a, at least a close debate, is Campbell. Seymour only got in this year because of the weak class. How many Super Bowls does Campbell have? None. Um. Did he? No. What did, was he in Baltimore? No, he wasn't. So he has none. He he was He's on that. Baltimore right now. He was on that Jacksonville uh, run. They didn't get there, but that I think with them in Baltimore, I th- well Arizona never won one, but he might have been in the Super Bowl with Arizona. So he has no way. I mean, because that sometimes you know in the silliest way will even set like a defensive lineman 
that'll you know move him up from certain other guys. Like, oh, he has a Super Bowl win, so he's got to be up there. But he doesn't even have that. So you, he might not be a first ballot all said and done. He should be, I, but... I, so we agree he's a Hall of Famer, at least. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, All right. Well, Coach Scherf, you picked Seymour, I picked Campbell, Campbell but I think even the, the I put, put a Twitter, Twitter poll out there, as you, you mentioned, you saw, and I think the results were like 51 49. So it was, it was, it was close. And I had a good poll. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Campbell won, but when it's that close, you know, you're one or two votes off. Okay, so that was last week. Let's get to this week's. Okay. All right. So I got into a pretty deep debate, the one I was telling you about before we hit record here. I want, I want your, your thoughts, thoughts on, on this. What? what? I might, I might even, even want to see, see how, how this person worded it, so I don't step over my own feet here. here but in the, in the last, in the last twenty, 20 years, years, you look, you look at, the at the last twenty years. years so since two thousand two, who, who would you say is more successful? The Green Bay Packers or the Steelers, Giants, Colts, Broncos, Rams? Ravens, Ravens, Bucks, Seahawks, Seahawks Chiefs, Chiefs, Eagles, and, and Niners. Niners. So those are all the teams that have what? been to more, more than one Super Bowl and have just as many, many if not more, trophies, trophies than the Packers, but, but have losing, losing seasons in between. You know what? I'm, so you're asking, you win one and then fall off the face of the earth, versus the Packers win one and then fall short, one step short every year. Win one, fall off the face of the earth, but get back to one at some point. Eagles haven't gotten back to one. Uh, we're talking last twenty Wait, years. Unless you're going all the way back twenty. Yeah. Okay. So that that was the debate because this person is saying, well, you know, they got to the Super Bowl but lost as other teams did. Yeah, but getting there is still more successful technically than not getting there. You know, if you lose in the championship game, you are not as successful as the team you lost to who got there and lost. Does that make sense? It sounds stupid saying it out loud, but technically, like you're picking later in the draft because you had a more successful season. The Packers haven't even gotten back to the Super Bowl. They've been to it once in the last 25 years. I would say if you ever reach the point, even if you have like one or two years where people are like, wow, what a joke. You're, not, I, I, you're out of the conversation for me. So I think like the Eagles are out, the Giants are out, the Broncos are out. Um, the Steelers are probably the main team I remember you saying where I'm like, I don't think there's ever been a year where I'm not like, wow, they're relevant. Like even if they end up kind of, even like last year, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, well, Two years ago. there's still that team where like even Vegas would give them solid odds in any game because it's like they have a good roster, they drafted well, you know they're well coached. They're going to be relevant even if they end up 8-8 eight and eight or whatever the hell we – how many games yeah. they have right now. But um, who else did you say? The Rams. So, yeah, the Rams have been there twice in the last five years. What have they done recently? <laughs> um, yeah, but – But before that – Fisher screwed them for a bit. Yep. Um, them there, they're. I mean, they're recently awesome, but these are just all the teams that have been to two or more Super Bowls and won one in the last twenty years. That's why the Bucks classify barely. I think the only team I would put up there with Green Bay would be Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, Every single year, Green Bay is not only good, but like a playoff good team. So, and they can win any game at any time because of Rodgers and whoever they have. Like, they're the one team where it's like, they're good. They're good, and it's – you never come out thinking like – no fan looks at a game against Green Bay and says, like, we're for sure win. No. Yeah. 
No. Even if they yeah, do true. win, Green Bay is that team where it's like they're probably the most top three successful teams in the NFL last 20 years. Okay. So you, you are measuring that by – you are measuring success that way then. I think so. Okay. That, that's ultimately – you know, it's kind of hard to phrase as you see me jumbling over my words here, but that's kind of what I was – what what I was trying to phrase the question as is you know what's more successful, getting like in my eyes it's getting to one Super Bowl, or getting to multiple, and but winning you know because there's there's teams that made it a couple times like the Cardinals that didn't win so they're excluded, you know if you've won one but have also gotten back to one or gotten to one before and then won the next one, I don't I don't know I to me you play to win the Super Bowl that is it. So in the last 20 years, if you had 18 losing seasons but two trophies, you have twice as many trophies as the Packers. And that's what's in the trophy case. Not your your Diva quarterback's MVP rings. <laughs> it's true. I guess, you know, yeah. 13 and 3 seasons don't go in trophy cases. Super Bowls do. Right. It's like saying who was the better team the year the Giants beat the Patriots and the Patriots were 16 and up. Who was the better team? It's Patriots. Patriots, but no. What does history say? The Giants were. They beat them in the Super Bowl. So I guess there's a few ways to look at it. From a, I guess from like an evaluator standpoint and someone who like, I mean, I don't know. I would never, I would never look at the Packers and be like, wow, they suck or they're right. not doing great because they're not winning Super Bowls. But I mean, just depends how you measure the success. And I don't think you'll ever get like a solid answer from anybody. Anybody's right. anybody's argument can there's holes that can be picked through. I think that's another fifty fifty debate. I think that's a good like uh, you know you're sitting at a bar stool talking sports with the dudes, and that's a good you know debate topic that probably won't get too heated. I think it's one of those things. Yeah, that's when you have too much whiskey, and then you know, yeah. next thing you know, you're yelling at a Buffalo Wild Wings with some stranger. I feel like there's a story there that probably should not be told on. <laughs> okay, well, I have enough for both of us then. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on that quick little thing. Um, I went I went hard with uh, Super Bowls are all that matters. Okay. And... Well, let's say you have, in, t- in 20 seasons, you have two Super Bowls and you miss the playoffs 18 times. Or you have one Super Bowl, but you make the playoffs sixteen times. Who's the better? Who's the more successful franchise? The more Super Bowl trophies, the more successful, in my opinion. And uh, you know, like this this person, he kept getting heated because he he couldn't understand that getting to the Super Bowl, even if you lose, is a more successful season than not getting there. By definition, it is more successful. Am I wrong? You ultimate, you're not getting the ultimate goal, but if you're just asking, what's a more successful season? Like, so just this this past season, who had the more successful season by definition? The 49ers who made it to the championship game, or the Packers who did not? 49ers made it further. They were the more they had the more successful season. If you ask more successful regular season, whole nother question. But to me, you know. If you want, for an opinion of a fan, if you want to ask what you'd rather have, you know, um, 19 winning seasons and one Super Bowl or 17 losing seasons and three Super Bowl appearances and two wins, 
That's a, that's an opinion, what you'd rather have. But which one's actually more successful? And to me, you play in the NFL to win the Super Bowl, period. If you have more trophies, you were the more successful see, uh, team in the last 20 years. That's my opinion. I'm glad we differed on that, though. I'm glad we didn't have the same answer so we can have some good debate there. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, like, what's sustainable, too. So, like, the teams that win a Super Bowl and then are just horrendous for five years after that. It's like, yeah, and it's like, I guess from a fan perspective, you're super happy you won the Super Bowl, but from, like, an evaluator standpoint, your, your mind kind of goes to a different spot of, like, well, this team has a chance next year, where this team is just garbage, even though they won. So there's layers to that question for sure. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's a good debate. Good. All right, we'll get on to our main topic, which is going to be your topic. Let me preface it. Uh, last week, we did two different things. Uh, last week, we talked about the you know Richard Sherman saying Matthew Stafford is not a Hall of Fame quarterback, which is fine. That's its own conversation, but I kind of wanted to bring up that Darius Slay asked him, okay, but is Russell Wilson a Hall of Fame quarterback? And Sherman, I don't think, answered that question, which I thought was interesting. So we talked about that a little bit. Um, then we talked about, you know, the NFL honors were prior to that episode. So we talked about what we liked and didn't like there as well as the hall of fame class, which was a joke this week. You have the floor. Uh, sounds like you have a pretty interesting topic for us here. Kind of talking about how you evaluate NFL players or how we do as a whole, as a, as a football community. So you have the floor, open it up and, uh, let's get, let's get into it. Well, I think my way of kind of doing it was asking the, the question, the broad question. And it's how, first off, how do we evaluate NFL players? Second, how should we evaluate NFL players? Because I think a lot of times we'll see, we'll evaluate guys in college. And then, you know, they're drafted, whatever, whatever. We see them come to the NFL. They're used drastically differently, put in different systems, given different roles. And then it seems like the only way that people talk about NFL players now is their stats. Um, even though, and I'm, so my question is, once they get to the NFL, is production all that matters? Or should we remember who they were and should we look deeper, like the context of like how they're being used? So I guess my question for you is, is stats all that matters? When we're looking at, let's say, a wide receiver in the NFL, is, are the stats the only thing that matters? Um, can we just say, well, he produced, so that's it? Or are we capable of, like, you know, kind of being a little more logical and thinking, like, hey, if we put Jamar Chase in Cooper Cup's role, what would the results be? Would they be a lot better because he's a lot more gifted and dynamic? Or should we just say Cup's the better receiver because look at the stats? This. Well, first of all, you know, stats to me, I'm a big anti-stats guy. Producer Larry, I'm sure, was giggling as you read that question off because he knows I'm so anti-stats. To me, stats are what you use to back you in an argument. But they don't prove much. I don't want to say they don't prove anything. They do. They don't prove much, you know, because there's, you know, a good example to dispute what I just said is Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times this season. That proves that their line is garbage, but that's pretty obvious. But you know, they—I'm just—I'm just a big anti-stats guy, so I don't think that's what we should go by. 
Um, what do you think? What do you, I don't know what your stance is on on the whole stats thing. Yeah, I'm not a big stats guy to begin with. Um, I, I mean, if, yeah, I they just don't tell the full picture. They're obviously right. a starting spot. But like, for instance, the, uh, the the poll that came out with Cup versus Calvin Johnson, to me that was like asking who's better, Michael Thomas or Randy Moss, because Michael <sighs> Thomas had a record-breaking year. And it's right. like the same thing. Like, So I think it's silly that we don't look at who these players were in college and realize they were drafted where they were drafted for a lot of reasons. And like one guy went top five, the other guy went in the third round or whatever. There was a reason for that. And then you have to look at how they're being used, what position they're actually being played or actually being uh, – so, like, I have some cornerbacks, too. Trayvon Diggs, Richard Sherman, Byron Maxwell. Are they the same as Darrell Revis? Are they the same as A.J. Terrell this last year or Marshawn Lattimore, a lot of these other guys that do completely different things? You can argue at cornerback, wide receiver, maybe safety. You could put a guy – I was telling you this before the show. You could give the tape to someone who doesn't really watch football at all. He would watch – Richard Sherman and Byron Maxwell play on the Seahawks. Then he would watch Revis play. He might, you might convince him these guys don't even play the same position. Right. You might convince him like they don't even do the same, same things. You could watch Cooper Cup play, and then you could watch Calvin Johnson play, and you could say you can convince someone else they don't play the same position. You you brought up earlier Kyle Pitts and Tommy Trem, Tommy Tremble from the last tight end. draft class. Yeah, they're tight both end. labeled as tight ends, but right. Do they do anything the same? Are they the similar? Are they even similar talents? No. no. They catch the same so, ball, but that is it. That's where it stops. So this year when it's uh, – or like Michael Thomas, he got the elite label for a long time. Um, and that was silly. Because all you have to do is watch a few games and you're like, all right, this dude doesn't do a whole lot. Um, Devontae Adams. I love Devontae Adams. I think he's a gifted receiver. But I don't think it's – I think it's silly when people sometimes say, like, he's just a world – like, he's an absolute world beater. This guy is – he would be productive anywhere in any role. I know you love Devonte, and I I do as well. But I'm but like for instance, if you put him in Justin Jefferson's role, I think you'd see some interesting results there. I don't think he has the same strengths or is as dynamic in a lot of ways as Jefferson. I think Devonte Adams has been gifted with Aaron Rodgers, and they just have this rapport where it's like they they're tearing people up. But put him on this on the Jaguars. Would you even know his name? Would he have ever blossomed? from the guy that he was struggling early on in his career to what he is today. So we definitely differ on that. And I'm a homer, but I'm very anti-Packers too. And uh, as much as I think Devontae's numbers have been affected positively by Rodgers, I think that is the most pure, well-rounded receiver in the league. I don't know if he's, I mean, I'm not saying he would be in the same level all time as some other guys. I think for the past two, three years, and still right now, I think he is the best all-around receiver in the league and can thrive any spot in the field and any offense. Now, if he got drafted by Jacksonville or something like that, it's a different story. Packers have developed receivers very well. You go back to Greg Jennings. Um, even look at Alan Lazard was a practice squad player for Jacksonville, I think, coincidentally. So, you know... They have that James Jones, you know, the receivers go somewhere else and suck and then come back and are, you know, maybe that's part of Rogers too, but they do develop receivers well. So as far as being drafted somewhere else, yeah, I don't think he does develop as well as he does, but I think you put him on any other 
offense in the league next year, he's still putting up 10 and 1,000. I think he's the most well-rounded. But th- that's not your topic, though. We can disagree on that all day long, you know. It's part of it. And that's what I'm saying. So, like, when we look at, you know, like, for instance, Justin Jefferson, um, he's being compared to C.D. Lamb. Justin Jefferson might not have – I think he does have more production. That's the funny thing. But, like, people will say, you know, in games where Lamb breaks – that has big stats – They'll say, well, look at what he did. Look what Jefferson did this week. Are you watching Jefferson? This dude is – he's a three-level threat making insane catches, facing the number one corner each week. You got C.D. Lamb, who is the wide receiver three for the Cowboys, running out of the slot, catching balls against zones. You got Cooper Cup getting pass interferences against Logan Wilson. It's ironic that I brought up that argument the, uh, after the Super Bowl, and it's like the pass interference that he got called against the other guy, it was Logan Wilson. It was a – linebacker he's not an old old school school linebacker linebacker too he's not doing what some of these other guys do richard seymour or uh richard sherman and byron maxwell were cover three corners and if you said do what revis does the years when they were the premier guys do what revis does look at trevon diggs he has i feel like i'm jumping all over the place here and i kind of am but he has all these interceptions could you replace him with marshawn Lattimore, or replace marshawn Lattimore? with him or Marlon Humphrey with him, he probably wouldn't get any interceptions or he might get a few, but the dude's getting toasted. So that's my, that's, that was my big question is when we're looking at NFL players, what's the proper way to evaluate them? Do we need to hold against them what we knew about them in college? Or do we just throw out, call everything where like who they are here is what they are. Yeah. One thing I was actually thinking about earlier is, Kind of the other side here, uh, looking at players that we missed on in college and going back and watch, you know, like if you were lower on, if you were someone like me, he was lower on Jamar Chase coming out and saw the season you just had, go back and watch what you missed so you can kind of learn from that and then use that evaluating college and NFL players, you know. I think that's an exercise that nobody like us has the time to do. You know, if that's your full time job, good, but. You know, I'm really interested in doing that to kind of see, even like Justin Herbert. Eh, nobody knew he was going to be doing what he did because he never had to do it. You know, that was a totally different offense in uh, in college, and they didn't let him be what he is now. So that's kind of, you're just betting. You're, it's a total dart at the wall, you know. That's just that example, but... You're drafting a guy to do something you haven't seen him do. That's you can't evaluate that. I mean, you can to an extent with athleticism and stuff, and but, but that's true. So, so that's so that's a question right there. So, if you let's say Michael Thomas had a year where he, I mean, he had he's had a few record breaking years, and then you look at a guy like you know Randy Moss who. If if one if Michael Thomas outshined Randy Moss one year on the stats, are we supposed to say Michael Thomas was the better receiver that year, or can we logically be like no, no? Does the production is that the end all be all? To me, like even on the Rams this year, Odell Beckham was the better receiver over Cooper Cup. It's, I don't, to me, it's not close. They're not in the same league. I think talent level for sure. Right. Cups a man of his craft that's a hard worker. And he's talented, you know, but he's put Odell or put Cup at the X and put 
Odell Beckham in the slot, doing everything, running the route tree and doing everything that Cup does. What happens then? Odell has an even better year, I would assume. Exactly. So for us to say the stats actually, and I know you're anti-stat, so it's like I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's what I want to. That's what I kind of want the listeners to hear is like when we evaluate these guys based purely on stats, whether they're receivers or corners or tight ends or whatever. First off, a lot of these guys don't play the same position, even though they're listed at the same position. Yeah. They're not asked to do the same things. And to evaluate NFL players purely on stats and production and say, well, they're here. This is, they're not doing it for anywhere else. They're not going anywhere. Like they made it, then now they're producing. So they're super good. How can you say that? Look at, watch. There's context. There's tape out there. There's all kinds of yes. stuff that we can use to keep evaluating them. And if we don't do that, then that, that, that seems silly. But that's just my uh, take on the whole thing. It just reminded me of a quote. I have it bookmarked. I don't remember who said it. I want to say it was our, our friend Christian Williams who wrote that great Trevor Lawrence article last year. I think it was him. And he said, stats without context don't matter. And I'm like, booyah, spot on. Thank you. Right. It's 100% true. Yeah. And, and I think I saved a meme once. Or someone made Someone was... Uh trolling on twitter and i think they put shocker it was like it, it just it was like a quote it's like in quote form and it put context never matters and then it was like signed analytics or like statistics yeah. or something yeah. i was like yeah right. Right. About right yeah you hear like the head coaches even you know talking about analytics too they're like yeah the sheet says to go for it on fourth and two here but you don't factor in the feel of the game like hey it's fourth and two, but we went three and out our last eight drives, and they just got a turnover and have a huge momentum shift. That analytics doesn't show momentum and feel of the game, which is a part of it. So, Bro, I think people on Twitter argue that momentum is fake. Oh, no, no, no. Get, no, 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 no. People on Twitter that haven't played sports think that momentum is fake. Say it louder. They resent people that play sports. Yes. If, you, if you're if you like the old school. They resent the people that play sports. They think that doesn't give you a valid opinion. Yep. We're, we're the. Because they want to reduce the game to X's and O's and just numbers. Oh, that makes. That was. So they they hate the coaches that are like former players now. Because we're supposed to be those hoorah, rah, rah, you know, toughness type of guys. Like Dan Campbell's or whatever. If you played, you're bad. You know, you know, yeah, right. That's toxic masculinity if you play that, that. Exactly. So, you know, our opinions don't matter on football, just analytics people. And I honestly, it'd probably be best to have a balance with both or just have somebody that knows what they're doing, period. Who cares? Right. Why not? Both. I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, if I was a coach, I would say, hey, what does the analytics say to do right now? And he'd be like, you know, if my guy was like 100% do this, I still have my final logical say, and like, right. no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, this is craziness. But at least right. I know, like, that's the smart move, and I can go from there. It's like, it's like when you check college players to evaluate them. A lot of times, I'll look at like who are the top stat guys that year's receivers, and then it kind of gives me a, a way to start. Just if I'm behind or something, I can start. All right, I'll watch him. I'll watch him. I'll watch him. And then I can say, well, this guy produced, but it was a you know a product of his scheme and his conference and blah blah blah. But at least there's context there. Yeah. It's not you're not just blindly reading right. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like that. I like what you said about the coach. <laughs> it's like when uh, you know that Alonzo Morning gif where he's sitting on the bench and he's like nodding like, "Oh, shit." 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's that's a, if I'm an NFL head coach and I've been doing it my way and I agree to do analytics this year and I say, what am I supposed to do here? And they say, go for it on fourth and eight and it works. I'm going to do the Alonzo morning gift. Like, oh, shit. I, I guess they got something here. Yeah. What? How many times did Brandon Staley go for it against uh... – who were they playing recently? The, the Chargers at the end of the year? Yeah, the Raiders, week 18. Yeah, they went. How many fourth downs did they go for and not get it? Well, they had to go for it at the end, but uh, the one that was talked about was they were at like their own 32 yard line and went for it. Like that's, that's where analytics are taking over your brain and you're not thinking logically like you touched on. Because that, you know, like a seasoned NFL head coach would say, yeah. Analytics might say to go for it. We're on the 32-yard line. No, that's a, like a 70-yard swing if you punt. If you get a good punt off. <laughs> Analytics say that girl's not cheating on you, but I went to high school and I went to college, and I know. <laughs> I told you he's one of us, producer Larry. <laughs> With that, we'll we'll put that we'll put that as the dagger in that conversation, even though it had nothing to do with it. And uh, if you don't mind, we can get on to our oofs, our favorite segment here. All right, I'm going to let you have the grand finale. Uh, last week, Coach Scherfe lit up Eli Apple, which he's been lit up all week uh, and weekend. And then I went on to voice my displeasure once again with the Cincinnati Bengals. This time, what Zach Taylor said about eh, our line just, you know, they could play better. You know, yeah, yeah, we all know about it. Jesus. Uh, I'll go first. Like I said, I'm going to let you have the grand finale. Keep it pretty brief because I might be in the minority here. But did you see that thing? I think uh, producer Larry's very own Around the Block Network put this out. Pick five players to build your defense around. So I'll just read them off. You can pick. I'm sure you already tweeted your reply to this, uh, Justin, but... You can pick, here's the players, Ed Reed, Reggie White, Junior Seau, Charles Woodson, Brian Erlacher, Warren Sapp, Deion Sanders, J.J. Watt, Derek Thomas, Troy Palomalu, Aaron Donald, Ronnie Lott, Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis, Rod Woodson, John Randall, Bruce Smith, and Derek Brooks. That's a lot of names, I guess. Um, looks like 18 names here, but you gotta pick only. you got to pick five. So, you know, like a third of that. Right. Okay. I don't know if you have the graphic in front of you. Um, I will. Uh, I just shot it over so you can get it in front of you. But I don't know if you answered this yet or not. I don't think I did. That's the thing. I don't think I. I don't think I tweeted anything about it because I was like, I don't want to get in an argument with people who I don't want to talk to again. <laughs> again yeah. 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 I mean, just... did you tweet? You were like, who? If you don't have Aaron Donald in this, you're crazy or something. So that's my. That's my oof. Thanks for spoiling it. I appreciate it. Um, to me, we'll get to the damn point then. Andrew. <laughs> to, to me, we're. N- I feel like it is sealed, sealed, signed, delivered that Aaron Donald is the greatest defensive player in NFL history, arguably the greatest NFL player period in history. That's that. I was under the impression that that was uh, what's up here. Even if you think he's maybe like second best in NFL history, how are you not picking him? A guy that most people say. He could retire right now. He's the best defensive player ever. And you're not picking him to build a defense around? I get some of these to have a debate with. You know, like, um, you know, you want Ronnie Lott or Ed Reed, I guess I can agree with. Or at least Ronnie Lott versus Palmalu. But um, 
what am I missing here? Because so just just to uh, let you know, I think my picks were Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, who to me J.J. Watt's the second best defensive lineman ever, in my opinion. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, the best pass rusher ever. I think I had Ray Lewis, even though he's a linebacker, because that's just that middle of the defense tone setter that does not exist anymore. How many is that? He killed a guy. Four? Yeah, he killed a guy. And then Ed Reed. Yeah, that was that that was my five. Ed Reed's roaming around the entire outfield catching fly balls. I like that. My my team doesn't even need linebackers. I'm not picking Ray Lewis. Yeah. I, I think I could get open on Ray Lewis. Well, yeah, I mean he's like fifty. Back in the <laughs> I, I think Donald and Watt. Yeah, I don't. I like that. I like Taylor. Uh, LT. I, I think I would take Woodson and Reed. Which Woodson? Charles. Okay. okay good. good. I think okay. he could play. He could play Mike linebacker. He's that good. He's got it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think that's a a, a scheme versatile type of guy too. You're not watching Sherman versus Revis type of things here with him, but. Okay, so you're having Aaron Donald, though. I mean, he was like one of your first picks. I would say this. Even if you think Aaron Donald is not a top five, like let's just say you're old school and you're like, no. If you, even if you were to say Aaron Donald is not a top five NFL defensive line, blah, 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 you, st- you can't watch him and not think that his talent is absolutely transcendent and, and pick him. Like you have to pick him no matter what. I didn't see anybody on the poll on Twitter the other day not picking him, but I saw you oh. put something about it. So I was like, well, they must be out there. My, most of them didn't have it that I saw. Wow. You think but, that but, was just their reluctance to not look like they have recency bias? No. Right. I don't know. Because, I, like I said, I thought we were all under the impression that he was the best defensive player ever. Super Bowl just kind of put the icing on the cake and nailed the coffin shut. That. Well, if it's not, if he's not, then who are the others? I hear because honestly, isn't it only Reggie White or Lawrence Taylor? Those are the only two that yeah. get compared. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor is the big one I hear. And then, but I was listening to uh, Peacock and Williamson the other day, and I guess they were pointing out that JJ Watt's peak. Well, he had more passes defense than cornerbacks. So, like, his peak, his four-year peak was maybe better than ever. But Aaron Donald's consistent, ridiculous level. So, I think they, they said J.J. Watt's peak was better than anybody's peak. But overall player, Aaron Donald. And that's an argument. Like, at their peaks, who was better? You could make the case for Watt. So, let's just say you put Watt in front of Donald. You got Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, J.J. Watt. At worst, Aaron Donald's the fourth greatest of all time. Yeah. So how are you not picking him? Yeah, you have, you have a point. So th- that's my oof. If you want to argue the rest, go ahead. Uh, but I think everybody has Lawrence Taylor, so everybody should also have Aaron Donald. Last fact on Aaron Donald uh, to wrap it up, just a fun fact here. They were talking about the importance of cornerbacks and Defensive lineman, uh, I think in the same segment. And it's like, you know, a cornerback is like an offensive line. Like, you take one receiver away, but you've got four weak links. Where, like, look what Aaron Donald did on the last play of the Super Bowl. Uh, the, the announcers, I don't know if any, I haven't seen anybody else talk about this, but the announcers caught this as the Rams' defense was taking the field for that final drive. I guess as soon as the whistle blew on the kickoff, 
Aaron Donald sprinted on the field, like full out sprinted. First player on the field for either team, and look what happened. You know, he wanted to turn it on. Boom, game wrecker. Look what Von Miller did a few years ago. But that's a separate debate. <laughs> so yeah, that's my oof. If you're picking five players to start an NF to start a defense around, Aaron Donald should be your first pick. He should at least be a pick, but you know. And and I think you could argue you got to pick him over any edge rusher, even Evan, because he can play the edge. He can play any spot on the D line and tear it up. Like there's no drop off, right? right? Which is crazy. That's the yeah. I don't know how with triple teams too. Don't forget about that. I remember watching him at Pitt too, and thinking like this dude is insane. But then he's six feet with you know his arms aren't crazy. I, yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't think he was a – I feel like a lot of people had him in, like, a top 15, but the fact that a lot of people didn't have him, like, top one, if he, everyone has to consider him a miss just because yeah. even yeah. if you thought he was going to be good, you didn't right. think right. he was going to be the greatest all time. It, 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 it's like, exactly. Coach Sherfy always gives me credit for being right about Mahomes. I'm like, no, Mahomes was, like, tied for my QB1 that year, but you think I predicted he was the next Brett Favre? No way. You know, he's crazy good. So it's, like, the same type of thing. Like you can't. If you, how, how how often do you actually put a label on a player that's like this is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer? You know, you know, you know, unless you're doing that. Maybe Miles Garrett. I think he's the only one that I've seen where I'm like, I don't see how he doesn't become, you know, like the absolute top one in the NFL. But yeah, I think yeah. that was easy. Everyone said that, so it's like I don't, I don't, I can't give myself too much credit for that. Exactly. exactly. All right. Well, why don't you make your debut for uh, the Gridiron Lounge Oof segment? Tell us what you got. I feel silly because we kind of like already talked about it. But good. We, we uh, yeah. Well, good. Mo- good morning. Football had that poll the other day, and it said I don't know if it was who who had the better season or who who's the better receiver, Cooper Cup or Megatron, and they they, they highlighted Cooper Cup twenty twenty one versus Calvin Johnson's twenty twelve season. Um, Cooper Cup in 2021 had 191 targets, 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Um, Calvin Johnson in 2012 had 204 targets, actually more, 122 receptions, uh, only three le- – or he actually had more yards, 1,964 yards, five touchdowns compared to Cooper Cup's 16. Um, but yards per route for Cooper Cup were 13.4 for Calvin Johnson, 16.1. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Like, do they even play the same position? When you when you watch these two guys play, first off, do they play the same position? No. Really no. Um, and then I mean, one is a legit alien. The aliens, if they if aliens invaded Earth, they would look at Calvin Johnson like, no, pass. We're gonna leave this dude alone. We're gonna go get everybody else. Cooper Cup is a guy who's a good receiver. He's savvy, he's smooth, he's sure-handed over the middle but he is such a product of that offense and what he's asked to do that the fact that this was even a convert the fact that they even put this out there as like a legit poll or whatever they did it was the silliest thing to me and almost made me upset because you got fans on here like well if cooper cup keeps up his you know this rate of success he's got to be in the conversation with calvin johnson i don't see how you could say he's not as good Great, great wide receiver seasons are not the same as being a great wide receiver. Bingo. But this was a pull out there. 
and I and we and we had actual analysts or so-called talking about how it's potentially a conversation. It it is a conversation. You know, it is uh that's that's why they put it out there. Why do people put stuff on Twitter? Mainly for interaction. They got it. They they sparked a whole debate. You fell for it. I'm a simple-minded guy, you know. Because <laughs> because we're ath- it's because we're dumb former athletes. <laughs> Those concussions add up, bro. Yeah, well, you play hockey and football. You're, there's nothing left, buddy. But yeah, no. It made me think like, who was the better cornerback, Trevon Diggs or Darrell Revis? And we saw that going around too. Right, and I'm like, dear God, like. That's another thing where the stats of the interceptions look amazing for Trevon Diggs, but like you could watch one rep of these two guys and be like, hey, they don't compare. They they hardly play the same position, but they definitely don't compare. Right. Right. And uh, the stats say one thing, but that that doesn't mean it. It's like Jalen Ramsey. I mean, you could put Jalen Ramsey is not really a a turnover machine, I guess. Um, that's not really what his calling card is, especially it's it's probably a lot of the role that he's in. I mean, because he's asked to carry the load over yeah, there yeah. in uh, on the it's, Rams. Him and him and Donald, yeah. Uh, and we were talking. I was talking to this with a buddy, and we were talking about. Um, he was saying Jalen Ramsey. It's ironic that he had to cover Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase is the type of receiver where he'll get locked up nine reps, but on that tenth one, if he catches the ball, it's a touchdown. Jalen Ramsey is like, he locks you up, but the way that they ask him to cover and the assignments they give him, if he gets beat, it's a huge play and he looks like an asshole. Like, it's kind of like the same guy at different positions, but it's like, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we just saw a perfect example of that, too, with Ramsey. Um, He looked like an asshole a lot that game. Yeah, he did. Uh, the T Higgins thing I didn't really care for. He got his like face mask turned and everything. But as you see, and this doesn't justify it, but that's why they got that late pass interference call. It kind of washed out then. Probably. You know, it it did. It even though people are like the refs sucked in the last five minutes of the game. No, they made one other questionable call after a, a questionable miss call. Even out, they didn't really call much the rest of the game. I think that was perfect. I think that was a good game, and it ended how it should have. So. Separate topic, but one last note here that I have uh, for your Cooper Cup thing, too. I think, you know, you're comparing just specimens or just product on the field, you know, not numbers. I think Cooper Cup is basically just Julian Edelman with Sean McVay. Yeah, Uh, I think his size obviously allows him to do a little more, but you're not wrong. You know what I mean? You're not wrong. You wouldn't, you know, Edelman going to the Hall of Fame is a separate debate, too, but... You're not putting him. You're not putting him in those conversations, even though he could do it all and was kind of scrappy and not necessarily naturally gifted. I mean, he was a freaking quarterback coming into the league, so you're not talking about him versus Calvin or any of them. Exactly, but I, I mean, I think that's the thing though. Is I saw people too talking about Cooper Cup like he's an elite route runner, bro. He drifts into zones against Logan Wilson. If that's an elite route runner, then me too. I am too. Well, but he's not. And that's the thing, like, you, you tell, if, if you're listening to this, go outside and, ha- and play football with a buddy real quick. Run seven yards over the middle and see how easy it is to catch that ball. Now go outside the numbers and see what it's like catching those balls from the guy at the same spot. Because it's, the tracking is, di- everything about it is different. It's literally yeah, yeah. playing, a whole, you're basically playing a whole new sport. 
it's not easy. And then you have to beat the elite corners on the boundary. Like some of these guys don't shouldn't be talked about in the same conversation just based off of where they play, let alone who they are as athletes. And maybe that's just, you know, wrong, but I don't think it is. <laughs> it's your oof. It's not wrong at all. It's your oof. Yeah. I don't know that. It just, it was so silly to me. And then I had people coming at me in the mentions. I'm like, I, I just don't know what you guys are talking about right now. This is insanity. I don't think I even touched that poll. I don't think I interacted with it at all because it was all the smart people quote tweeting it and was being, you know, well, uh, no, no thanks. We know what this is. This is bait. Justin Gamble fell for it, but I'm not touching it. <laughs> I'll smarten up one day. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Well, how'd your first oof feel? I feel like I spoiled it early, but. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> you need to get one where you're really pissed off about something. Yeah. Go listen. Like Sherfy usually gets. Sherfy does get heated. Um, he when he's passionate he gets heated we called the bengals out about 14 times in the last 12 months but you want to hear sure if he loves to bitch about division rivals Bengals and steelers and he just starts foaming okay but the Bengals have it coming so the steelers yeah that's true but you want to hear my favorite oof go listen to that packer one still love that i hear this oh, I, got, I got one quick question for you yeah yeah because i know you i think i've seen you talk about him before and i know you like him so I mean, you might be a little biased. Uh, is Jesse Bates the best safety in the NFL? So you think I'm going to – yeah, that's a good question. Uh, something I've been thinking about for like three years now because we haven't had a surefire best safety in the league. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, you think I'm going to be biased because I hate the Bengals basically? I But I thought you liked Jesse Bates. I think he is. I think he now stands alone, and I think it's because he just continues to show out and improve just did it on the biggest stage and in his career, and everybody around him stays the same or gets worse. Or gets worse. You know, like Jamal Adams was considered a top four safety there for a little bit, and he – I was going to do that as a topic. Did he regress or has his weaknesses just been just exposed? Been exposed? But, but, well, what was he to begin with? That's a, yeah, that's a whole other yeah. conversation. Yeah. Right, right. So what's, so what's your, your answer? answer? I I think he is. Um, it, it's like it's rare to find a dude who's physical, who can play pretty much any role. Like, is he does he excel when he comes down into the box? Probably not what you want him doing all the time. But, like, um, to be such a sure tackler, but also to be a guy that's also a hitter. You know, like, the, he's yeah, an enforcer yeah. when he gets the chance to. He's not always going to light people up. But – you could see you watch him in single high consistently make plays like rangy plays and make yeah, yeah. plays. And, and I think the thing that most people don't understand about safeties is like fans will ask me about safeties and they think there was one assignment. They think the safety had this assignment, bro. If you've ever played safety or watched the elite safeties, there are so many ways to play the game, to play this, the safety position. And I watched Jesse Bates on tape consistently do the stupidest shit, but you know why? Cause he knew it was right. And he took the gamble, and it, he made it work. But I'm like, if a lot of other guys tried that, they'd either screw it up or they would, their timing would be a little off. It wasn't subtle enough. Or they would do something to, you know, to key the quarterback or right, like, right. Let the court, like give away their intentions. Jesse Bates does things where I'm like, bro, that guy's like a freaking 
it's ironic that he's a Bengal, but he's like a house cat, like creeping around. You're like, where is he? <laughs> and Stu pops out of nowhere and makes plays. But I think he's one of the few, maybe Minka Fitzpatrick and a few others that really can kind of freelance their whole game and it works for him. And it does. Put Tyron, Tyron Matthew, Matthew in there, in there too? too? No. No. I can't. Just, just no. no. Just no. I can't. I don't know. He's. I don't know. I watched a lot of Matthew this year too, before the Super Bowl, especially. I, I don't really understand his game. He has a lot of reps right. where you're like, what are you doing, bro? Um, I don't know. I don't really know how to articulate him. I think Minka and Bates and I don't know. Harrison Smith kind of lost his, like, he's not the athlete he once was, but I think very, he's very smart. He sees the game like they do, where yeah, yeah. he can kind of just play his own role back there. Like he's freelancing, and it works for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if if you weren't gonna pick Bates, who would you pick? Would you pick those guys you just listed? Would you throw in Bayard, Derwin James? I think I'd pick Minka. Though it'd be Minka Fitzpatrick. Okay, okay. Yeah, I. But I, I'm a sucker for like the the true free safeties. Oh, oh, same, same, same. same. Like, you know, yeah. So yes. Derwin wouldn't be on my list. Even though he probably should be, he's not on my list. Um, it'd be the guys that I can kind of build a scheme around that I know do free safety stuff. Fair enough. And I think we both told each other earlier that we both were kind of low on Derwin James coming out, so a little bit salty about that too. Yeah. But I think he's kind of become what a lot of people who doubted him said. I think when he was coming out, people talked about him like, He'll do anything you want him to do at an elite level. He's this—he's a free state. He's going to be a ball hawk. He really hasn't turned into that. His first year, he was kind of like a dime backer slash blitzer slash box thing. He hasn't become what people think, for instance, like Kyle Hamilton will become this year, like a true yeah, free yeah. safety. And so I don't know if everyone really missed on him. It's just like he he's a great athlete. I don't know if he's become what people said he would become yet. So I can't say I missed on him yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that wraps that that wraps up the oof segment, our favorite segment. Um, congrats and well done on your first, your very first oof on the Gridiron Lounge. And if it's all right with you, I'm just going to get on to some quick reminders. All right. Whiskey and cigar recommendations. If you haven't had the Chill Moose cigar, go and find it. If you haven't had Stranahan's whiskey, courtesy of Justin Gamble and his hometown distillery, get out there and buy it. Only 50 or 60 bucks. Like everybody can just afford a $60 bottle of whiskey. That's what credit cards are for. Uh, follow our social media. I'm at Andrew Lamers. Coach is at Austin Sherfee. Gridiron Lounge at Gridiron Lounge. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Soon a TikTok as well. And follow Justin at Gamscout, G A M S C O U T, on Twitter. And follow Football Sapient at Football Sapient on Twitter as well. Fellas, this was fun. Of course, sip, clip, light.